And we are back again. It is that hour. Check your clock. Check your watches. Stop what you're doing and tune in. You are back in it together again with with um with I and your co-host Deontay and I'm Shakima and we are the downlines. I got a little bit ahead of myself. I'm excited tonight, y'all. Uh, you know, been itching. You know, we're kind of itching to talk a little bit. Man, itching to run my mouth in. I love that about you. Know, you. Kind of excited to get back in it. You know, this thing is fun. We really enjoy what we do. We love bringing this stuff to you every single week. Same time, same channel, six p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live. Tune in. Thank you very much. And so, with that being said, we are going to stick with tradition and hop back to it like we always do it and talk about history. Because yeah. if you don't know where you came from, you won't know where you're going, right? And, and you still might not know if you're only looking at one version of history. Because they be lying. Is. And that is. And if you don't know your history, you're doing to repeat it. Good <laughs> and the bad. You know what I'm talking about? So, yes. we're going to get back to it. And my love, we're going to start with you as we normally do with okay. today and social justice history. All right, let's go. So um, today is the 2nd of May, which means that we've only had one other day. So I feel it's appropriate, apropos, if you will, to discuss what happened yesterday as well. And then we'll do today. Is that okay with you, babe? Let's get it. Okay. So on May 1st, 1863, the Confederacy authorized enslavement or execution of Black Union troops. And this comes just directly from um, a history of racial justice from the Equal Justice Initiative calendar of racial injustice. On Christmas Eve, 1862, in the midst of the Civil War, Confederate President Jefferson Davis issued orders to the Confederate Army that all Negro slaves captured in arms will be at once delivered over to the executive authorities of the respective states to which they belong to be dealt with according to the law of said states. Several months later, on May 1st, 1863, a joint resolution adopted by the Confederate Congress and signed by Davis adjusted this policy and declared that all Negroes or mulattoes, slave or free, taken in arms should be turned over to the authorities in the state in which they were captured and that their officers would be tried by Confederate military tribunals for inciting insurrection and be subject at the discretion of the court and the president to the death penalty. As the Confederacy fought a war against the U.S. government to secede from the Union and form a separate nation rooted in the continued enslavement of Black people, its forces and leaders were especially angered by the Union's enlistment of Black troops. When those troops were captured or defeated in battle, the treatment at Confederate hands was sometimes deadly and brutal, evidenced by well-documented atrocities such as the massacre of surrendering Black troops at Fort Pillow, Tennessee in April 1864. What you got, Black Man? I mean, lots of people try to pretend like we were freed, but I think we freed ourselves, right? And other right. people participated. They had their own variety of reasons for participating in their war. Um, the war was definitely about slavery, so there's no there's even no there's not even a need for discussion about that i don't know why people still try to talk about states rights because the only state right that was up for grabs was slavery but this idea that um we knew exactly what we were risking right you know our ancestors knew exactly what they were risking um and they still thought the idea of you possibly killing me is a better in my head than the idea of potentially being a slave for the rest of my life because i'm gonna die either way yeah, it's death by a thousand cuts versus an immediate death. You know what I mean? I might as well go out fighting. So in the words of uh, Claude McKay, if we must die, right? So today in history, I mean, yeah, today in history, um, in 1963, Black children began a movement protesting segregation and they faced police brutality. So let me just preface this by saying that the Birmingham Children's Crusade is like my favorite, my favorite social justice movement protest and it just gets me in the feels and so today's today is special for me and that's why okay. I wanted to do both but I just wanted to preface this one by saying like this one is especially I'm, I'm all about the children trick love kids so love the children Wu-Tang good okay. hey, Wu-Tang for the kids Wu-Tang for the children that's it so on May 2nd 1963 more than a thousand black 
children peacefully protested racial segregation in Birmingham, Alabama as a part of the Children's Crusade, beginning a movement that sparked widely police, publicized ooh, police brutality that shocked the nation and spurred major, major civil rights advances. Why am I so tongue-tied by that? That just... Mm. Okay. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or the SCLC, had launched a children's crusade to revive the Birmingham anti-segregation campaign. As a part of the effort, more than a thousand African-American children trained in nonviolent protest tactics walked out of their classes in, on May 2nd and assembled at the 16th Street Baptist Church to march to downtown Birmingham. Though hundreds were assaulted, arrested, and transported to jail in school buses and paddy wagons, the children refused to relent their peaceful demonstration. The next day, when hundreds more children began to march, Commissioner of Public Safety Eugene Bull Connor directed local police environment to attack the children with high-pressure fire hoses, batons, police dogs, all of that. Images of children being brutally assaulted by police and snarling canines appeared on television and in newspapers throughout the nation and world, provoking global outrage. The U.S. Department of Justice soon intervened. The campaign to desegregate Birmingham ended on May 10th when city officials agreed to desegregate the city's downtown stores and release jailed demonstrators in exchange for an end to SCLC's protest. The following evening, Disgruntled proponents of segregation responded to the agreement with a series of local bombings. In the wake of the Children's Crusade, the Birmingham Board of Education announced that all children who participated in the march would be suspended or expelled from school. A federal district court upheld the ruling, but the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit ultimately reversed the decision and ordered the schools to readmit the students. And I just want to say for the record that some of those children spent several days away from their families. They held them in hog pens at where the like where they held the county fair. Um, those kids were not allowed to bathe. They were malnourished when they came home. Children as little as the fourth grade were were incarcerated as a result of that protest. The protest to the children was so brutal that President Kennedy had to come on and make an announcement to the nation about how we must do better as a country that if our little ones are subjugated to this type of treatment, then it, that is, that's, that's a blemish on us as a nation that we all should be ashamed, no matter what we believe in. And so those children changed the tide of the entire movement. And I just love it. It inspires me. And it's why I'm an educator. It's why I do what I do, because I know that our children are going to be the ones who save us. Cause that's where it start, right? You know, you went, it's, it's just like, you know, like Tupac said, sparking a mind that changed the world. And if you, and if you, you know, talk to the children the right way and instill the right values in them, they become the better versions of ourselves is, is what we ultimately intend. Right. That's it. And one of the, one of the more sad things about that story is, is a constant reminder of how, oftentimes children are protected when it's convenient right that's it and when it comes down to certain you know certain things they're used as pawns they're used as, they're our most sacred thing right they're the future they're what's supposed to keep this thing going long after we're gone right it's supposed to be a generation after generation of children who's, who be instilled in good values from the generation prior and it's only it only seems like it's when it's convenient. Right. Right. And then there's and, times and not where Right. And then there's times where they're not even regarded when their 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 innocence isn't even taken into account. Mm -hmm. They're 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 allowed to be put in harm's way when it's convenient for certain agendas. And when it's not when it's not convenient for certain agendas, they're put in harm's way. You know, it's 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 odd how it's just odd. It's it's really, really odd when 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 you have a, a group of small people that should be protected at all times, but they're not. And we we have yet to figure we have yet to fully 
embrace the fact that damaged adults start from damaged children. That's it. The traumas that happen as children haunt us until we learn as adults to figure it out. And, and they don't even get that benefit during childhood sometimes. And it and it's and it's so sad when you when you hear about children standing up for what's right. When 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 the children stop tolerating things, you know something's going on. When the children stand up and say, you know what? But to hear, you know, to 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 even conceive that anyone would treat a child that way. That's it. It's like when you when you take advantage or hurt the most vulnerable, that says a lot. And Whitney Houston said it best, children is the future, right? That's it. And I think, you know, especially in a nation that um, calls itself Christian and you know what Christ says about children. Right. You know what Christ says about those who harm children. And this nation is terrible, terroristic even, towards his children. So, yeah. Switch us up, babe. Switch us up. Kudos to those children for having the heart and the bravery to stand up against insurmountable odds and Mm -hmm. to face fear. That is... Them kids had some serious courage. And shout out to the teachers. Shout out to the teachers. Shout out to the teachers who turned the other eye. Shout was out. Like, I can't stop you from leaving. I can't tell you to go because that would be illegal. But shout out to them parents. Shout out to the to do. Shout out to the parents that instilled them value. Them, them parents and those grandparents that instilled those values in them children that gave them the courage. Because you got to have permission to be brave like that. Well, and some of them went against their parents, to be fair. Like, and when you when you listen to the interview, some of them went yeah. against their parents and, and they didn't tell their parents because they knew their parents worked for those people. And their parents want to keep them safe. And they thought about the fact that if their parents um, were implicated in any kind of way, they might lose their employment. And so a lot of them just went and they the teachers are the people they talked to, but right. they didn't tell their parents. And a lot of them, the parents didn't find out until after the child was already you know, incarcerated. And so, right. you know, I remember when we were having the George Floyd, um, you know, Black Lives Matter protest here in Austin. And I was terrified to let Messiah go there. You know, I was, I was terrified just because Austin is a different world than where we come from. Right. And also, you know, we don't have any family here. And I was, you know, just wondering like if something happens to her, or if I go, you know, obviously I was going to go with her. We were going to go together. But like if something happens to us, we wouldn't have any family here to support us. Like who would come get us? There's nobody to come get us. And so, you know, I think that maybe if she had been older, when those protests were taking place, she would have went on her own. Right. She would have went with some friends or something like that. And she wouldn't have asked my permission. She would have said, I'm going to to the mall. And she would have just been on TV. I would have saw her on TV. Right. You know, but um, at the time she was about what fifteen, and I was terrified. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But. All right. So that's ready to switch, switch it up. up. Switch. All up. right. So I'm going to go back because I think I ha- I have one that I think will may will mean something to everybody. Okay. So we're going to skip over May first and go back to April thirtieth. April thirtieth was a pretty important day in terms of how we live today. This is major, this is a major impact. So on April 30th, 1993, World Wide Web, Web made public domain. At the urging of Tim Berners-Lee, the creator of the World Wide Web protocol, the directors of CERN released the source code of World Wide Web into the public domain, making it freely available to anyone without licensing fees. The decision to make the World Wide Web software and protocols freely available is considered by some as possibly the single most important moment in the history of the Internet. Oh, that's in fact, huge. some historians mark this as the birth of the web. So that's major. Yeah, that that's huge. Major, major. Because remember, 
um if you go back to the days of darpa that was the defense um the 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 defense version of um i believe it was darpa that was the defense version of the internet mm-hmm. and then it rolled out into public domain and you know here we have today and now they're trying to ban tiktok right because what happens when you get internet and a whole bunch of people who ain't falling for it no more right <laughs> All right. Moving on to today in history. So again, these two should be pretty relevant to today. Um, May 2nd, 1983, Microsoft acts mousy. This day in 1983, Microsoft introduces the Microsoft mouse for IBM and IBM compatible PCs. The mouse featured two green buttons and is available by itself or will later be bundled with the new Microsoft Word software, which Microsoft will release in September. Because of the green buttons, the the mouse was nicknamed the Green-Eyed Mouse, which may have been a fitting name given its similarity to to the Shakespearean phrase Green-Eyed Monster to describe jealousy. It was no secret Bill Gates was very envious of what Apple was creating with the Lisa and later Macintosh computers and their mouse-driven interfaces. Microsoft would manufacture nearly 100,000 units of their first mouse, but would only sell 5,000 before introducing a second, more more popular version in 1985. Microsoft will go on to create a very successful line of mice and other computing peripherals over the years, but most, but almost ironically, Microsoft announced in April of 2023, nearly 40 years later, that they would end the production of Microsoft branded peripherals and focus on their Surface branded peripherals. This came months after Microsoft announced a 30% year-over-year drop in revenue from devices, cut 10,000 jobs, and announced changes to their hardware portfolio. So mouse like as in like devices you click. Dang. And what day was it? What year? 1983. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, okay. And 40 years later, they stopped making them to go with surface branded peripherals, which means touch, Bluetooth. So that's like you know how you you try you you always tell me like baby don't say you're old but when you do stuff like that like what you know when we start talking about today in history and it was like 40 years ago and i was alive like that makes me feel like well i was alive too so season you as you you say i was alive you know season seasoned season is the reason Mm -hmm. just age to perfection that's all hey listen you age like wine not milk baby appreciate you get better with time appreciate you all right next one last one uh may 2nd 1991 we're in the 90s now microsoft registers their domain name finally microsoft registers the microsoft.com domain name on may 2nd 1991 for such a major technology company notably this was this was over six years after the domain name system was created and the first domain name registered, and over four years after competitor Apple registered Apple.com. It was no surprise that it took Microsoft another four years to recognize the growing importance of the internet tidal wave. About a year after the World Wide Web was already gaining mainstream, mainstream popularity, and most of the rest of the technology in industry was already on board. So Microsoft was kind of behind the curve mm-hmm. back in the day before they decided to get on the ball so that's interesting very interesting all right so that was today in tech history i would like to um disclose that we are no in no way sponsored by these websites we're just offering the information um that they provide to the public um we are no like i said we're in no way affiliated nor sponsored by these websites we just we believe that the information is credible and good information and relevant to the time all right, my dear. Now that we're in today, today, um, what's on the menu? What's on the mind? So today we're going to be talking about 
you know, making difficult decisions during times of uncertainty. So whether it's a career change or a relationship dilemma or just a major life transition, like going from having small kids to having middle grades kids or middle grades to high school and then having college or emptiness, you know, um, how do you make those tough choices, especially when you're not sure what the future holds, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, piecing it together. Piecing it together. And the reason why we're calling it piecing it together. So originally I had peace, like P-I-E-C, because I was thinking about like pieces coming pieces together. Of a puzzle, right? Pieces so like I'm life. a dreamer. Mm-hmm. I'm a dreamer. And last night I had a dream about puzzle pieces. And so I was thinking that that's what we were talking about, right? And I was I was telling Dunlap that um you know, like part of part of what was happening in my mind was this idea that where we are, where we currently are in life is we are making decisions, right, as a as a family, but we have to make decisions that, you know, adequately assess, like, how do all the pieces of this thing fit together? Right. And so for me, you know, that's what I was thinking about. And in the dream, I had this dream of these puzzle pieces, but all of the puzzle pieces were the same color so typically when you're you know looking at a puzzle you can tell what goes where you know just simply by taking a look at you know how all the pieces like differ so like if it's a puzzle about a forest you look at the the types of trees that have different um have colors that are the same or if it's you know uh, you look at the part that's just grass and you put all the pieces together like we've been doing puzzles since we were little and so some people start with the perimeter. They put the outside together first because it's easy to see which ones with the, you know, with the uh, the straight edges. You can easily tell which ones are the corners. But the dream I had last night was about puzzle pieces. And I was somewhere, I can't even recall where I was in a dream, but I was in a place where I was looking through um, like a, almost like a notebook, um, a binder, if you will. And it had... Um, all, all the people were like the same color. So it was like an ombre type um, puzzle. And some of the pieces were gray, but there were like tons of gray pieces with nothing distinctive about them. And then some of the pieces were pink and there was nothing distinctive about any of them. And I remember thinking to myself, whoa, there's a lot of gray area in this. There's a lot of gray area in this. Um, and so that's kind of what I was thinking about for our family, just, you know, how to navigate those spaces where it's not clear, it's all gray, right? And so you don't know which gray piece is kind of different from the other one. And to make sure that like all of the gray pieces line up, um, it might help you to do the pink pieces first, but all of those are the same too. And I just share my life with you, Dunlap, and I share it with our children and I share it with the people that I serve. And I think that it's important to know kind of like, how all these pieces fit together um, in this season as we're making the decision. You know, I, I think it's fitting um, where we're talking about um, together, right? And I think this is a really good connector to what we talked about last week in terms of, of you know, change, you know, because yeah. one thing that is a, I know change is constant, right? We we talk about how change is the one thing you can count on. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing when everything and everyone is going through some major change or shift in their life. I can say that nearly everyone that I'm connected with right now, whether it's family, um, fellow team members at work, friends, everybody's going through some major transition not just small like major yeah major transitions right now and in in the interesting part you meant you you made you you made about the the gray pieces and one of the things that it brought to mind was the one of our favorite movies the accountant Mm -hmm. remember when the young man was basically putting together the puzzle with all the pieces flipped over and -hmm. i think that's life right life is because you don't necessarily know what piece you have Mm -hmm. you know you have an idea you have a shape but you have no you you it it isn't until later down the road where you see those shapes coming together and it's not until you flip it over where you can see oh now I can see where everything connected and so I I think this is a really great topic to to touch on yeah Um, 
because that that's because that's what I think that's the trick of life, right? That's the mastery of life is learning how to put those pieces together. And, and, and especially when you get a piece that don't quite fit yet, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to find the other piece that kind of goes with it. Yeah. And, and I think the challenge is being patient. The challenge, like all things, right? The, mm-hmm. the challenge is being patient and not, and staying consistent, staying persistent about yeah. finding that additional piece and being willing to work together. Like you said, because like you say, everything fits together to a common purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And especially when you're building a life with someone, when you're sharing yeah. space and building a life with somebody, you know, you have to figure out how to make those pieces connect. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't just come together. Sometimes yeah. they they don't just click. And the trick is how do you, what do you do in those moments when they don't quite click? Yeah. And what's, what's interesting, and, and again, all things come together. And I just recently finished a, a cultural training at work. And one of the things talked about leaning into tension. Mm. And when your values and your principles don't quite align, that creates tension. That's good. And instead of running from the tension, you lean into it. Mm-hmm. you 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 work with it and um and, and and i'm going to go ahead and give the gentleman give the brother his credit this came from uh mr john Mackey himself the founder uh one of the co-founders of whole foods okay and he talked about connecting when when there's tension you don't you don't shy away from it you 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 kind of kick it with it you you lean into it and you figure it out and don't you know don't shy away from it don't um don't force it but find that that not necessarily even a compromise because a compromise gives the impression that somebody loses something mm-hmm. or somebody sacrifices something but you work together until everybody has what they need and okay. it it was it was a fantastic it was a fan, it was a, a really insightful and fantastic um point of clarity about tension and a lot of times when we we equate tension to conflict mm-hmm. we equate equate when when things don't quite jive together we we either fight for dominance because we want our peace to be what matters and important right. or we completely walk away mm-hmm. and when and i think once if i think especially going back to the the subject of being in it together and when you're in it together the best thing you can do is to not shy away from the tension but recognize that the tension is a is a indicator that there's pressure and you have to find where to relieve that pressure and that is finding where we can make these puzzle pieces fit because if you take one puzzle piece and try to jam it onto another, it's you can happen. see it can make that one piece crack or it could deform a piece. But if if you if you work it out and you kind of get some other things aligned, you will find that, oh, okay, here, okay, if we incorporate this piece, this piece would align with this piece, and then boom, boom. Or we will find that, okay, these two pieces don't align at all, but that don't make them irrelevant. Right. Just you just haven't they, found where they go yet. Right. They yeah. just go into a different part of the picture. And I love that because, you know, you, you were talking about working together, like everything working together. And it reminds me that like Romans 828 is true in my life, but it's also true in your life. And so sometimes I'm trying to judge where I fit in the puzzle based on wh- what I currently see for your life, not recognizing that it's all things ultimately work out. Absolutely. For the good of those who are, who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So like, as I'm watching you grow and develop and change and transform, I'm trying to keep up and make sure that my puzzle pieces fit with, you know, you as you're developing. And sometimes I don't even, I, I, sometimes I have to acknowledge that, like, I see you for who you are, but I don't see you in full because I don't know who you're becoming. Like I get to be a part of that process. Right. 
And so when, when I make decisions as your life partner, when I make decisions to, you know, submit to your mission for this family, because you are the king and the priest of this household, when I make decisions to submit to that, um, I won't always see what my piece is like sometimes we're building a puzzle together and you're all putting together the gray parts while I'm all putting together the pink parts and once we're finished working on both of them then ultimately it'll come together and make a beautiful picture but if I'm working on the pink parts but I'm steady focused on what you're doing with the gray parts I'm gonna lose time I'm gonna lose energy I'm gonna lose my peace p-e-a-c-e because I'm focused on the wrong things and so the best thing I can do is to pray, right, that God's will be done and not my own, that God's will be done and not your own, so that as I'm working on my pink pieces, I'm not causing you grief and not, you know, trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, that I'm working on perfecting whatever this pink part is over here. And that's the difficult part because I'm always um, trying to make sure that I'm in step with you. But there will be seasons when it feels like we're not, but I'm working on something and you're working on something. Um, and it will ultimately make sense once we become the best versions of ourselves. To your to the point you just made about while I work on the gray and you work on the pink, there's a there's something in the middle that has to exist in order for this to go smoothly. Yeah, and that's trust. I have to, you have to trust that I got this and whatever, and whatever I'm working on over here is for us. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, I have to trust that I don't, you know, and, and I, I have to trust that what you're doing over here is for the greater good of us as well. Yes. And we don't have to watch over each other's shoulders and constantly peck and micromanage each other. And so trust is a huge thing. You know, even if you're alone, and you're relying solely on the 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 what do I want to use? Because if you're not, if you are, if you aren't Christian, if you believe in something that's bigger than you, whatever higher power you believe in is whether it's the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, you trust that the delivery will be made. That while you're working on there, over here on this. There were other things being worked on in your favor somewhere else. Yes. And ultimately, they come together. And I can say that as a, in my experience in life, whenever I have submitted and given trust to the most high, whatever I wasn't, whatever I gave my trust to came right together with whatever I was working on. And yes, there were times of discomfort. There were times of tension mm-hmm. from those moments of not knowing. And when I sat with the tension, leaned into it and didn't make any rash decisions or any any decisions out of desperation, I found more times than not that things came together exactly the way that they were supposed to. Not always how I wanted, yeah, but always how it was supposed to. And when you can see things for what they're supposed to be beyond what you want then you can really that that's that piecing that's the peace part where you have your peace when it's not what you thought it was but it is what it's supposed to be it gives you everything that you need and sometimes more and sometimes you know it 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 it, it oh it removes things you thought you may have needed in places of others and when you can make your peace with it and you understand, you can kind of take a step back and look at the chessboard and see, oh, now I understand why that happened that way. Now I understand why the answer was yes to this and maybe no to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's only until you can trust, again, whether you're again, whether you're trusting in God, whether you're trusting in your business partners, whether you're trusting in your relational partners. Trust has to be there in order for the pieces to come together. That trust has to be there. And it has to be on both ends. It can't just be a one-sided trust. You can't trust them and they don't trust you. You can't. You know, there has to be a vested interest, a vested trust on both sides. And so, and I think, and and I honestly think that's really the only way the magic happens. Mm -hmm. I really think, because when you either, either you, you, you try to force it, it don't work. Or you let it go, it don't work. 
you know, either way it go, it requires something. But I think that the binding agent in making things come together is trust. Trust in yourself, trust in those you're around, trusting, um, trusting your your trust in the higher power, trust. Because if you with, with the mind can't conceive, it can't be. If your mind can't see it, if you can't see it in your mind's eye, how can you ever expect it to happen? And in order to believe something, you have to have a level of trust. To conceive something, you have to have a level of trust on whatever level you choose to be at. So that's good, babe. And so I guess with that in mind, I want to kind of talk about, you know, first of all, when you come to these spaces and we're talking about, you know, piecing it together, like, P-E-I-E-C-E, you got to know that like you have to choose P-E-A-C-E over fear and anxiety. But the only way you can do that is if you feel like you're actually positioned um, for that personal and professional growth. Like you're nervous about making a decision, but if you've not positioned yourself to make the best to make the best decision, then you're going to feel some anxiety about it. So I want to kind of talk about like how to position yourself for personal and professional growth, right? That's the first step in achieving your goals and realizing your potential. And it's it's got to be intentional. You've got to take intentional steps to develop your skills, to expand your personal knowledge. Your, and, and in that case, I would say wisdom. Um, and then add that to the expansion of your professional knowledge. And then you got to build your network. You've got to surround yourself with people who are doing the things that you want to do, who are successful and, you know, the the places you want to go. And it starts with, you know, setting goals. We call them smart goals. I even do this with students, right? Like make sure that you set clear achievable goals that and write them down. You got to write them down and hold yourself accountable. They got to be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely, time bound. Give yourself a deadline. Give yourself um you know, milestones and benchmarks so that you are measuring your progress. And then we talked about like the idea of investing in yourself. When I was getting ready to entertain something new, the first thing I did was say, okay, what books do I need to read? What podcasts do I need to listen to? What research studies do I need to be exposed to? Because I know that whatever level I'm trying to achieve is going to require something different of me. And so I've got to change my thinking And I've got to change my conversation. And those things only happen when I read books, articles, blogs, do training, attend seminars, workshops, conferences that expose me to new ideas. I've got to surround myself with people who think the way I need to be thinking, who speak in the language of whatever position or role I'm trying to fulfill. And then the next thing is to build your network. So once you get in those rooms, right, surround yourself with like-minded people, even if it's just following people on social media. If you're an introvert and you're a shy person, you know, like maybe you don't want to be bothered. Maybe that's too much energy for you on a personal level, but you can like follow podcasts. You can connect with people on social media by like joining Facebook groups or following people on Twitter. Some of my best professional development has been in Facebook groups and on Twitter, right? So surround yourself with people and build those relationships so that you can get valuable insights from them. And sometimes they are, sometimes they like warm handshake you to your next. Sometimes they have the key to your next. They open the door for you, right? And so if you don't take the time to surround yourself with people who can help you grow, you're going to always experience that, what I call chasing, right? Chasing the next thing. When really, at some point in your life, you've got to come to the place where I currently am, where you realize that I don't, I don't have to chase anything. That I spend time growing and developing into the person that God wants me to be that I become the person who can do those things. And as I become the person, those opportunities will manifest. They will show up. God will put those things right in front of me. Um, And then I want to talk about seeking feedback, right? So you got to get feedback. If you want to grow, you got to get feedback from your colleagues. You got to get feedback from your mentors and coaches and then use that constructive criticism to improve your skills and enhance your performance. And I think you are um, exceptional with providing feedback to your team. You're exceptional if I'm providing feedback to me and the kids. And so I just, you know, I always ask you for your feedback whenever I'm thinking about doing anything that challenges myself because you are so good at providing that constructive criticism. And then you got to take a risk. 
step outside of your comfort zone, it's okay. Um, like I said to you earlier today, I'm in a season where I know that I want to do things that I can only be successful with if I do it with God. You know, that's that's important to me. And if I have to be afraid every day when I go in for the first year or two when I do it, that's fine. Like that's stepping outside of my comfort zone and I will grow into it. I will grow into it, but I got to take those calculated risks and embrace new challenges to push myself beyond my current limits. Staying resilient, you have to. Your growth requires resilience. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have failures, but you can't let them define you. Learn from your mistakes, adapt to the change, and keep pushing forward. And I tell my students all the time, you know, like you have your emotional intelligence, which is your EQ your ability to empathize and have compassion and navigate relationships, personal and professional with other people. And then you have your intelligence quotient, which is how much you know, like academic knowledge, but your adaptability quotient, your AQ, that's what's going to determine how far you go. Because it doesn't matter how, how good you are in relationships and it doesn't matter how smart you think you are. If you can't quickly adapt, and I mean adapt to take on new tasks, but adapt to take on new mindsets, you're not going to make it very far in life. Right. And then after you do all that, and while you're doing all that, you got to practice self-care because it's going to require energy. All that extra new reading and writing and podcast listening, like when are you going to have time to do that? You got to figure out how to have that work-life balance so that you're not just up all night trying to look at podcasts while you're also doing your day job. Make sure you focus on your physical, emotional, and mental health while you do it. Get some sleep, practice mindfulness, and protect your peace at all costs. P-E-A-C-E. You know, I, I, I agree with every point you made, and I have, a, I have a few others to add to that as well. In order to maintain your peace while you're putting it together is, and I thought about these today, I was actually speaking with one of my team members, and these are some things that Reflecting on, you know, some of the things you said kind of made me reflect on that conversation. Okay. You have to outpace complacency. Mm, that's good. You you have to recognize complacency. And that and one of the and with the change that 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 I'm recently going through professionally, it one of my one of the things that I'm grateful for is it is shaking me out of my complacency. And when you and, and you can get into a you can get into a groove and not even know it why you may be doing things and you're quote unquote productive if you're not actively adding skills, improving on the skills you have, being more than just productive, but being, you know, but growing yourself, building your skills and planning for your next step. You know, and that way, when you're planning for your next step and you're making those preparation, when change come upon you in the middle of that, you're already halfway there. You're already working on something. And so you you don't have that. You're not stuck. And, you know, I, I was you know, I was reflecting earlier today with one of my team members about how before you know we've we've undergone some a lot of changes at work and one of the one of the major changes that we've gone to we've gone through was moving from an office space that we occupy for a very long time i mean over i want to say over over 25 years and we moved from that space and i and i occupied an uh an office that you know i had my own office it was nice and cushy and had my own personal space and that can lull you into complacency that can lower you into a sense of normalcy that you know you get used to these benefits these ideas that this is the way things are supposed to be as now was never prepared to do anything other than work in an office and then we had this shakeup where we had to move where the lease was up company didn't want to continue to sink money into this building and we had to move. And so I had to make this adjustment from going from an office space to, to this, this singular office space where only I occupied this space to an open office environment, which was a challenge because, you know, you know, you no longer I went from from being fairly decent with people to this office environment where I had my own space and I became an, more of an introvert again, where, you know, I didn't you know, where I wanted my me, I, I became about me and my space. 
And then I was forced into this situation. I don't yeah, I was forced into this situation. I was thrust out of out of my complacency into an, into a situation where I had to share space again. So I couldn't speak as loud as I want to on a conference call. I couldn't be as candid. I couldn't, you know, um, I couldn't do, I couldn't listen to the music I wanted to listen to without headphones. And, and I couldn't call you and cut up on the phone. Right. And so, you know, and so it, it made me re it made me recognize that, okay, you know, but this this is where I need to focus. So I changed the type of music I listened to, to music that helped me focus, that that allowed me to dial into what I'm doing. Um, I, I learned to be mindful of the people around me, you know, and so when I needed to be in a in a in a meeting with, you know, where they where I'm talking about team member information or something confidential where I knew where I had to plan. I had to plan out my days. I had to know my schedule ahead of time. I had to be, I, I couldn't just walk into my office and look and see what's on my calendar for the day. I had to know what was on my calendar before I walked into the building. So I knew, okay, I need to make sure I reserve an, uh, an office space or I need to make sure I have a space where I need to, where I can have this conversation. And so again, it, it, it puts me now, now when I'm waking up in the morning, one of the first things I look at is my calendar. And I start planning out my days. And when I'm, and when I'm not as busy, I can plan out my days ahead of time or like a day before and, and, and chart out, okay, I can go to the office on these days because I don't have any major calls that I need to be on. And these are the days I need to work remotely because this is a lot of calls where, you know, where these calls are kind of confidential and I can't, and I don't need to be in an environment where there's other ears that need that, that where I'm discussing these confidential things or where we, where I'm having a, a serious conversation with a team member. Um, another thing to recognize in terms of, you know, keeping your peace as you're putting it together is recognizing that stability and comfort are not the same thing. Oh, that's good, babe. Stability and comfort are not one in the same. They do That's not so have good. to exist in the same time and space. They are not mutually exclusive. They are not. And you should why you should seek, seek stability. You should run from comfort. Mm. And one of the things that you know, kind of going back to that office space situation, I got comfortable in my own space. But I but but when I think about it, I wasn't growing professionally. Because I wasn't interacting with people on a regular basis. But you know, to be fair, those open offices are torturous to introverts. They they are. But like, I don't know whose idea that was. But which leads to my next point: address your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You know, just because I'm an introvert, I have I have to rec I have to keep reminding myself that it is me in the world, not the world in me. And so I have to adjust, like you mentioned, your AQ. I have to adjust to my environment. I have to be where God calls me to be in whatever situation God puts me in. Yeah, because it and is so, really an extroverted world. They right. And so in order for me to be the best version of myself, I have to be malleable. I have to be able to maneuver in these different situations and be comfortable and, and be comfortable where I am. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, and, and so those those four things, you know, those three things are really, I think, are also really important in when you're putting things together, when you're keeping your wits about you in the midst of change or when you're when you're preparing for change or when you just actually when you're just going through life because when you outpace complacency no change can there's not a whole lot that can surprise you outside of something major um recognizing that stability and comfort seeking stability but not comfort will always keep you on your toes and always keep you doing the right thing you're thinking ahead how do i keep this going and when you and when you're thinking ahead you're thinking about you're thinking about potential um potential puddles and you're thinking about the contingency plans for these potential puzzles these potential puddles and that way you can avoid them because when you get comfortable when you hit that bump it disrupts everything you got going on and then addressing those weaknesses Knowing where you need support, knowing where you need to be strong. That was one of the first things that when I started to develop a relationship with my dad, that was one of the first things my dad taught me was get strong where you feel like you're weak. Don't walk around with a weakness knowing you have it because when your enemy figures that weakness out, they're mm -hmm. going to exploit it. That's it. You need to know your weaknesses way better than somebody who's considered a foe or enemy. And if you address your weaknesses, no one else can. No one else can exploit your weaknesses. 
you need to at least be aware of them. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I try to remember on a regular basis. And I try to always do the thing, you know, even the things I don't really like doing, I try to make myself do them sometimes just to remember like, hey, this is again, it's not about being comfortable. You know, it's not about, you know, address that weakness, address because comfort becomes a weakness. Because if somebody can just disrupt your comfort level, they disrupt your whole peace. They disrupt your whole or your whole system, your whole situation. They disrupt it all. And so when you're when you find comfort in discomfort, then you're in a position of power because you understand how to be malleable. You understand how to be flexible, how to adjust in the situation that was one of the beauty that's the beauty of learning how to fight that's the beauty that was the one of the beauty uh beautiful things about competing is i learned how to be uncomfortable i know i learned how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations and mr in the midst of chaos yes. and so when i do find myself in those situations and because sometimes it's hard to see because remember what we were one of the things we've been learning is that the devil show up like it belongs looking like yep the devil shows up, the enemy shows up like it's supposed to be there mm -hmm. in the form of comfort to make you feel comfortable. That's it. You feel comfortable, you drop your guard, you stop guarding your gates, and guess what? You look yep. four or five years down the line, you know where you thought you wanted to be. You've been laying your head in Delilah's lap. You see what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. so that is, so comfort is the enemy because comfort is where it, it's what drops your guard. And yeah. it's not to say that you shouldn't seek stability. You shouldn't seek to feel safe because comfort ain't safety. Right. Comfort is one of the greatest forms of weaknesses because that's when you stop paying attention. It's when you get too comfortable. It's like when you're driving a long distance. Don't sit in a position that you're going to fall asleep in. That's it. Don't sit. If you, if you got 15 hours of driving, it is totally counterproductive to have your seat all the way back because you're basically laying down. Mm -hmm. So you need to put yourself in a position where you're stable. You're okay, but you're not so comfortable to where you're lulled to sleep and you lose control of your vehicle. And that's a rule of life. I love that. You want to always be in position to do things well, and that's not being comfortable. And so those are some things that, you know, some, some, you know, some, some things that I've kind of, you know, in, in, in light of what we're talking about, mm -hmm. those are some strategies, you know, in addition to the strategies that you put. Because I think a combination of them all will help you navigate. They don't all apply at the same time. Because something like complacency takes time. But if you can outpace it, it can never catch up to you. Yes, yes. Comfort takes time. But if you can, if you can, if you can run from it, it can't catch up to you. Weaknesses develop over time. But if you stay on top of them, if you recognize them and respect them for what they are, because that's the thing, you have to respect them. And anything you respect, you can change. Mm -hmm. If you if you if you overlook it, if you brush it to the side, guess what? It's going to be the one thing that's looming on your back and it's going to weigh you down and you're not going to know why. I love that. And baby, I, I actually um, have some affirmations. I would love to be able to close us out with some affirmations for you know how to navigate those moments of uncertainty they're recursive they're always going to come back so even if you know the the reward for beating this level is another level Absolutely. so you're always challenging your life is always challenging you you're always in um you know preparation for you take a moment to breathe to celebrate but a part of the hero's journey that joseph conrad you know uh described is that the, re the reward for winning on this level is another challenge Yep. And so I want to, you know, start by giving you guys five affirmations that you can, um, or mantras, depending on, you know, how you, how you see them. But I know that affirmations are so important for us as a family, and I hope that they are helpful to you too. So affirmation one is I trust in the process of life, and I know that everything happens for a reason. This affirmation is going to remind you that uncertainty is a natural part of life, and it's okay to trust the unknown. Instead of resisting change or trying to control everything, just surrender to the flow of life and trust that everything will work out in its own time. And if you need a scripture for that, again, Romans 8, 28. Um, the second one is I have strength and resilience to overcome any challenge that comes my way. 
This one is supposed to help you tap into your inner strength and resilience, right? It reminds you that you are capable of navigating uncertainty and overcoming challenges. You can face any obstacle with courage, determination, and a positive mindset. And you know you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The third one is I am open to new possibilities and opportunities. This one is to encourage you to embrace uncertainty as an opportunity for growth and transformation. Instead of fearing the unknown, just try to approach it with curiosity and openness. You never know what possibilities and new opportunities will arise within that uncertainty. The fourth one is I am grounded and centered no matter what happens to me. This affirmation helps you stay centered and calm in the midst of uncertainty. It reminds you that you have an inner anchor that can keep you steady no matter what's happening around you. You can take deep breaths and ground yourself in the present moment and find peace within yourself. And again, this is that, you know, greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. It's also that I will, you will keep my mind in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you, right? Or, you know, I, I have no fear of anything because I know that you love me. I know that you care for me. And that's what gives me the strength to, to go from day to day. And the fifth one is I'm grateful for the lessons and blessings that uncertainty brings. This final affirmation helps you reframe uncertainty as a source of gratitude and wisdom. So it helps you basically think instead of seeing uncertainty as a threat or an obstacle, you can view it as an opportunity for growth and learning. And that way you're gonna be grateful for the lessons and blessings that uncertainty brings and you're gonna use them to help you become a stronger and wiser person. And I would like to add a sixth one. Okay that is something that i use every single day and it's very simple i release all self-sabotage yes it's very simple and when you find yourself in moments of unfounded anger or you find yourself doing something that you know is negative or that will ultimately be detrimental to you or how you think about someone else mm-hmm. or how you consider a situation Mm-hmm. release yourself release yourself from self-sabotage because most of the things that happen to you are your responsibility i love that and that's the way and when you learn to take responsibility for everything that happens to you you then you will be mindful of everything you do everything you say and every single thought you keep yes so release yourself from self-sabotage and when you find yourself in tough moments when you find yourself losing control or when you find yourself trying to mm-hmm. control something, release your self-sabotage. Because a lot of times it's you that's the key to everything. I love that. And you do always say that. You release all self well when we send our affirmations together. That's huge. Because so. even if you didn't do it, it might not be your fault, but it's still your responsibility to, to fix it. And so that is the ultimate accountability. So, yeah. So this has been cool, babe. This was an awesome, this was an awesome session. Yeah, I feel empowered. <laughs> but hey, that but that's what it's about, right? It's about, it's about piecing it together and being Absolutely. at peace while you're putting it together. Mm-hmm. Trust in the process. And follow peace. Because if you don't Absolutely. have no peace, that's the wrong direction. Absolutely. When you're aligned with if, when you're aligned with your life's ultimate calling and purpose, there's a peace that 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 comes with that. It comes with the decision. And if there's no peace in it, that's automatic no. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a difficult decision, you're still supposed to have peace. Like if you are knowing that God is responsible for your greater good, he's your ultimate provider, he's your source, not, not you know, these jobs, things like that. People are your resources. But if you don't have peace about it, it ain't from you. And that's it. I enjoyed this tonight. It was an amazing session. I feel, I believe we, I, I believe we, we touched a few. We, we got some, you know, we enlightened some minds or not necessarily enlighten them, but we, I hope we help. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe encourage some people. This is a, this is a very, very, this is a very difficult time for a lot of people. A very challenging time. I won't use the word difficult. I'll say this is a very challenging time. Challenging. Because every challenge can be, every challenge can be come. And so we want to thank everybody for tuning in. We appreciate it. You could have been anywhere else on this planet. That's you chose it. to be here with us. We thank you for your time. 
Yes, you did. And as usual, we will be back same time, same black channel, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find us on Facebook Live if you want to catch it live. But if you can't catch it live, we appreciate we appreciate it still. But if you want to catch it later on, you can find it on your favorite podcast medium, whether that be Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, whatever the case may be. However you get it, we down with it. I am your co-host, Deontay. And I'm Shakima. And we are the Dunlaps. Thank you for getting in it with us. We'll see y'all next time. Bye, y'all.